0: You gave him
1: the
0: intro now? Oh, you just became part of it.
1: Oh, I see. Hi, folks. I'm Chuck Ciccarello from ESPN, and you're listening to the Roller Out the Barrel podcast. Play the music, Matt. (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) Oh, when I learn more about technology, that is going to be fire. All right. Here it is. It's the Roller Out the Barrel show. Oh, we got a couple of we got three guests tonight. We got three different segments going on tonight. W- what are we doing, anyway? Well, yeah, <laughs> it's vintage baseball. You know what we're gonna do tonight? Uh, I am your I am your co-host, the Burrow Roller, Matthew Bernard. I'm joined by the other co-host. That's right. Swamp Fox. That's Reefers. right. Swamp Fox
2: Free is here. Swamp Fox Free is here, friends. Barrel Roller, I'm so excited for you to learn technology.
0: I'm not good at it, but I'm learning it. Is that good enough?
2: Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, good, good.
0: Uh, Okay, so tonight we're going to talk to vintage baseball players from coast-to-coast, border-to-border. What do you say?
2: I've got nothing going on.
0: Let's do that. That's not true. You're you're fathering. Uh, Well,
2: yeah, I'm fathering, but don't worry.
0: And it'll be okay. Your kids are well-behaved as far as you know. Uh, Bless your heart. Here we go. Uh, coming into the room to warm us up, to get us warmed up. In season four, we're going to call this the warm-up, but we're not officially calling it the warm-up yet. Why? We don't know what we're doing. Just go with it. Uh, we're bringing in Colin Stumpy Miller <laughs> to talk about the, the first year of the Knickerbocker experience. Colin, how are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing wonderful. I just got, well, you're never done fathering once you're a father, but I just put my son to bed a little bit early tonight because he's usually in bed by 7. And, uh, yeah, so I I rushed down here. I had to tell him I was going on the same show that we recorded a song together on. uh, What is that? Two years ago now. Two, two and a half years ago. Oh, Oh my God. Has
0: it been that long?
1: Yeah. 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 I think I was, like, one of the first dozen shows you did.
0: Well, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, we, not, and now look at you. you guys I,
1: are going, you're, you're tearing it up. You're just like, you're taking the taking the vintage baseball world by storm. I like
0: it. I know that you are the first interview I got through the hour, and I said, that's not enough time. I mean, that, that wasn't enough. And we did a part two. You were the first part two. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. I've made you a star. Well, And then
1: last week course, she did, Keith was like an hour and a half, which was like, could have been two, <laughs> but it was, oh, yeah. It was great. Uh, yeah,
0: Keith. Well, we know Keith. So when you have that rapport of somebody you've spent a lot of time with, I mean, and he's yeah. such a good dude. It's hard not to just. Well, I
1: appreciated it because I have a 45 minute commute to work. So I was able to listen to the whole thing there and back. And uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard you guys laugh so hard on this podcast. So I enjoyed it.
0: I mean, Colin, his goal was to re-retire a former major league player. I mean, that's what he wanted to get out of vintage baseball. I'm sure he yeah. worded it wrong, but to us, that was hilarious. Anyway, he yeah. still, he still texts me, me well. about that because <laughs> he feels bad. Colin, first year yeah. of the Knickerbocker experience, it's the, it is the first organized baseball club, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right?
1: Well, certainly not the first, but uh, the first to really codify the rules. Um, so the Gotham Club, as I understand it, was around a little bit before the Knickerbockers, but in 1845 the Knickerbockers wrote down some rules and uh, and then started to play by those rules uh, at the Elysian Fields and Hobo. And I'm no scholar on this stuff. In fact, what? I have not read John Horne's Garden of Eden uh, uh, cover to cover, but I recommend all those who are interested in the Knickerbockers as much as I am should actually read the damn thing.
0: Let um, me ask you this. Before you get into yeah. uh, a review of the first season, a preview of the second season and everything that happened yeah. this year, I want to ask your opinion about something, and that is...
1: What's
0: up? If you go back into time, into the 19th century, for these early baseball players, say 50s and 60s and 70s, these guys, because they're because something is in men that's always been in men, and that's the competitive spirit. It, it was there. Mm. Okay, it was there. Yeah. Uh, now, some of these rules would... Because they're the beginning rules, you'd be like, oh, well, that's not, that's not a very competitive rule. Well, that's why they changed after time and everything. you got to start somewhere. You can't just come out of the gate with the most competitive game or whatever. Right. you got guys sitting around reading these rules. Are they not, in your opinion, trying to work the rules in their favor by doing things like, I don't know, a fair foul? I, I would
1: have to assume so. Uh I had I do have a feeling that they were trying to make it um they were trying to make it a fun game because remember uh when Doc Adams was interviewed in 1896 he talked about struggling to find enough players to keep it going. So whatever they were doing they were trying to make it as fun as possible and if that meant make it more competitive uh then so be it. Um but you know they were competing with cricket remember so um, yeah, so whatever made the game more fun, if that means having the ball in play more than not, that might have been a thing um, I mean, certainly when people watch you know, our, we're an overhand club primarily so when people watch my club play overhand and then we play underhand, everybody's like, oh, I really like that because it's very different, you know, than, than uh, what we do in, you know, in, in the latter years of the 19th century um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think they were going for fun
0: so your club does overhand. How about what percentage of your season is overhand?
1: The eighteen ninety five, and we do. There's a new club in the region now, the Dalhide Bulldogs that play uh, eighteen eighty six. But I'd say you know we like to. I'd like to go at least at least fifty percent, if not more. But there's some, there's more teams that play underhand. So, you know, obviously we go to a tournament or a festival and, you know, most of those are going to be underhand games. But I'd say I shoot to try to play as many overhand games as possible because it's it's consistent with the history of our club. And, and uh, to be quite honest, I just like it better.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you young guys would. Uh, Rudy, Rudy, do you have a I'm question? I'm not that young. <laughs> Rudy, because I can't see you. Because you're fathering, Rudy will visually be joining us later. Rudy, are you there, and do you have a question? Okay, he dipped out doing some fathering. So, Colin, please give everybody <laughs> the what the Knickerbocker experience was, how it started, right. how it went through the season. Give it all. All right.
1: All right. So, first and foremost, this whole thing started with with uh, Jeff Pintar, Tar, there, there, Pintar and I were talking on the eve uh, after uh, we all learned that Doc Adams was not going to be on the ballot for the All of Fame last November. And it was a crushing blow to all of those who believed that he should be there. And we had some back and forth, and I think he had been organizing a game in Cooperstown to coincide with the inductions that would have been Doc, and that didn't happen. So I said, well, why does it have to be in Cooperstown? You know, why don't we take the show on the road and do these festival things? He's like, Oh, okay. So we turned kind of a bad like feeling and like all this angst and, and frustration into a positive thing. And then we started recruiting and we got uh, Corky uh Gaskell was involved, um, and, and 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 Jeff and myself and trying to like put that group together on Facebook and try to get it out there so that people would understand this is not a team in the conventional sense of Even the Knickerbocker Baseball Club was a team with the Knickerbocker experience because you get to essentially get the uniform, do your thing, and play the rules as they were written in the New York game uh, in 1857 when they wrote the laws of baseball. Um, And so it's a very like authentic thing we're trying to do. uh, You know, uh, to to coin a phrase I heard another vintage baseballer say, you know, we're not quite like stitch counters, but if you got the Nike swoosh, we're going to paint your shoes, put it that way. Um, You know, we are really trying to portray baseball as it was in the Elysian fields in Hoboken, New Jersey in 1858, um, after the laws of baseball were written. And um, why 1858? Well, that brings the umpire into it. So there are called strikes. Um, You know, there are things like little nuances uh, like no tagging up, you know, and so that gets interesting. Um, because guys step in and they if they're not schooled in that, they get schooled on it pretty quickly. So we've, uh, you know, we, we had a, a few games this year. We, we try to kind of have these spot, you know, highlights at different festivals. So, uh, so we played Gettysburg, uh, the Doc Adams Fest, of course, and Old Beth Page, and I think you were there for that this year, Barrel Roller. Um, and then we uh, went on to uh, Rocky Point. And we finished up uh, a couple weeks ago at the Lampson Farm, which is uh, not too basically a stone's throw away from where uh, Doc Adams grew up in uh, Mount Vernon, New Hampshire.
0: I was so at uh, that was in a
1: nutshell. That was the season, and uh, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll I'll throw a question out to you. Uh, go
0: ahead.
1: You know what? What would you like to know about uh, what we are trying to do here with the Knickerbocker Experience?
0: Well, let me tell. Let me throw out some things that I. I think I know, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay, this is something that could be countrywide, in theory. Absolutely,
1: and we hope it. And we hope it will.
0: So, yeah, uh, our new list, our new listeners from Arizona and California would be interested to know that you can buy this uniform. It's uh, you got to buy the right components to the uniform, uh, yeah. and you could play a game anywhere you could join a game anywhere as long as you have enough guys that are official members of the experience. And I believe membership only requires that you have the official authentic uniform. Is that correct? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You get
1: the costume and you're in, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's not, it's not cheap, but it's authentic. You know, we, we use, um, uh, of course, Paula Weaver, um, KMP Weavers uh, in Connecticut. Uh, who You know, she's, She's one of a kind. I mean, she did all the costuming for a league of their own. She's done Civil War enactments, football costuming. You know it. She's done a lot. She's done stuff for the Hall of Fame. But she uh, she knows how to do it. And uh, there's a belt that you got to get from a guy, uh, Dell's Leather in Kingston, who makes his really nice belts. And you pretty much – and, wh- you know, why can't you just grab an extra belt and just throw that on? Well, they had the KBBG written on the belt, right? and the and the belt is wide it's very wide it's almost like a cummerbund <laughs> so in that respect you have to have wider belt loops so it's a custom tailored thing um you can get the white hats from Storm, uh, from stockbridge sewing uh, norma makes those or i think jeff found another vendor for those too as well to um save on costs i like the hat i got from norma but uh yeah i mean the whole thing the whole the whole getup will probably you know run you you know close to close to two three hundred bucks you know so you got to be serious and wanting to do it and uh we hope that it just kind of catches on and you know you see a Knickerbocker game show up at the Ohio Cup or the Worlds or you know or out in the Bay Area or out in Arizona I mean that could be wonderful the key is that just everybody just be in uniform and like look the part you know do your thing because it's really all about showing baseball the way it was intended to be uh, not the way it was meant to be played, but, um, certainly when you're, when you're trying to honor the founding fathers of baseball, it's a little more, uh, there's a little more pomp and circumstance, I guess, than just, you know, an every day, uh, that is baseball game, which isn't to say that, you know, the, the clubs don't do a great job doing that and, and showing the part, but, um, we just want to, you know, keep some people keep level of integrity on it. Um, but it's all inclusive you know like you said i mean it if you get the suit you can join the you can join the thing and hopefully you get enough people in your region with the suit that you can stage a game and uh and you know have have some have some people kind of get educated on what baseball was like in the days of the knickerbockers
0: well i would say the first step would be well obviously they have to contact you or jeff Kornhaus, uh which you can yeah pro- or just yeah do join on. our
1: facebook group, yeah
0: And, uh, but you are going to have to learn the rules of 1858 baseball, which most 95% of the clubs are not playing by, uh, a quick comparison between the 64, which is the most played year and 58. What are the differences? Just the big ones.
1: Really? The, the, the main, the main ones, I think I threw it out there. It's just, uh, you know the bound rules in play. Um, you know, so that doesn't change if you're used to 64 baseball. Um, the uh, the main thing is just the, like the tagging up thing. There's just no tagging up. Like you got it. You can when the ball's hit and you're you know maybe let let's say it's it's struck well, and you know the guy uh, uh, or the gal you know makes that catch on the bound. Um, you know you can you can go home because it's on the bound, right? But if that call if that catch is made on the fly, you got to get back. Right. Um, you, can, you can certainly you know head home if you want or head to that next base. But there's no free back, she will say. You got to get back. Um, and the kicker though is that it has to go through the pitcher. The pitcher must pitch the ball. the ball cannot be struck. And then if the person did tag up and they think that all is well and good and they've tagged up, they've went and taken their place on the bench with a smile on their face, they can be put out. And so that was interesting because we actually had that happen last week when we, we, we played a game down in, um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, and, of course, they didn't like it, but I, I used it as a teachable moment because, of course, there was like 150 people there. So I said, there's no other way I could have explained this rule. And so you can see why the, it was quickly changed. Because, you know, if the striker gets up and he knows the situation and he wants to prevent that guy from getting tagged out on his team, he's going to strike the ball and put it in play. And at that point, as I understand it, the run is good. So just that's a really weird, wonky, like nuanced rule from 1858 that I've learned in playing this. And I, I probably screwed it up, to be honest with you. I'm sure somebody's like, oh, yeah, no, you got it all wrong. But there's some, there's some stuff like that. But that, that's probably the, the weirdest one that we played with. Um, and, of course, back then, too, it was the balls were being pitched swiftly. That's one thing to recognize. Um, there was a lot of conversation recently about the strike zone, you know. Um, that Eric Miklitsch and, uh, and Pintar had a little thing going, of talking about the striking zone and what's appropriate because remember back then their bats they were not using modern bats folks they were not using thin handled tapered bats they were using very large very like lumber esque long heavy bats and so if you use something like that the the ball was as I understand it pitched swiftly uh to the bat and that means it was not necessarily over the plate you know over the dish because remember the it was a ditch, you know. It was ten—was it ten inches round? Probably made of metal or stone or some really dangerous thing. <laughs> so, that those are just some some basics, I guess, of, of of definitely different rules than what we might see in a in a sixty-four game. I guess I guess that kind of covers it.
0: How how far do you guys push it on the experience? Because the first year of the experience really includes some of the who's who of vintage baseball. These are the guys yep. that are reading the rule book that know the rules that can actually give teachable moments. Like you said, during matches to other clubs and spectators, uh, like the bats. Are you guys paying any attention to the bat, or Are you just going to go ahead and go with what you normally use?
1: Well, at, at the Lamson Farm, um, there was a, there was a, a moment where, you know, we kind of said, "Hey, you know, that bat is like definitely something they would not have used." And it wasn't it wasn't a modern bat in that convention, but it was uh, certainly had a lot more of a modern look to it with a tapered handle and a you know fat barrel and stuff like that, you know. And and you know the guy was like, "Well, you know, I got it at Gettysburg," and he's like, "Well, that doesn't make it." an authentic you know 19th century bat either you know i i said i said to him you know how you know fish i like to fish a lot you know fish and lures are designed to catch fishermen <laughs> so the <laughs> bat was probably the bat was probably made to you know made to catch your eye and, and you got it and it was and it was a fine bet but it just didn't have its place in 1858 baseball and and so i tried to use you know whenever we played it this year, you know, with my club we we just did a little like a two inning thing of fifty eight ball. You know, I threw all those the newer kind of bats that you would see in the eighteen nineties. I put all those to side now and we used like one or two that we had in our in our repertoire. But yeah, I mean Pine Tar is really the only one I see that comes with 50, you know, fifty different bats to a to a game in, in a you know in He's a little, little roll cart. But uh, <laughs> so not we, we, we fully appreciate not everybody's gonna go there. And, you know, there's no rules, like nobody's gonna, you know, the, the vintage baseball gods are not going to frown upon you, you know, but the idea is that you, you know, you try to do your best at portraying what, you know, what baseball was truly like at the very beginning of what we now, you know, know is the, the laws of baseball, right? The nine innings, mm-hmm. you know, nine men to a side, um, you know, all that. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, In a sense, I I guess it 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 was a it was conceived, uh, you know, by Pine Tar to do something like that in Cooperstown, and it just kind of like evolved into this, you know, maybe like a signature game at one of these festivals. And you know, with the format at Gettysburg this year, the Knickerbockers played. They played all the same amount of games that all the other teams did, which kind of burned some of us out. Because of course we had our own team Sure. so you gotta remember this: is not a uh, uh, it's not a team; it's an experience. There's no captain like I'm. You know, I'm not just not. You no, know, we're not captains. This is not like that. It's just pretty much to show up and play it the way it was played.
0: But and but uh, is there nobody but, that takes the reins at least during the game, like? How are you guys with with no captain deciding lineups and any of that? I mean, I could see how you get get through most of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I guess I guess in that respect, uh, you could probably say, you know, if there was, there's a charter member, or I don't know, I don't even know. I mean, this is a thing. Like, this is not we we didn't like write this down. Like, we didn't write the laws of the knickerbockers so you know but, but but there are guys out west out in the midwest that have the uni um i know jim willis bought one um you know i know there's a few other guys out there that got it hey there he is what's up rudy hey um, but uh
2: yeah
1: i i think you know it, it really is just uh you know corky has one there's a few other uh folks out out your way that have them um obviously kid does you know your your younger brother has one um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny cause like, I mean, if I came to a fest in like Ohio and I happen to be the only one ever, you know, would people look to me to like lead the team? I don't, maybe, but I mean, the idea is the spirit of like, you know, maybe having a handful of folks that, that convene around it, around the idea, maybe in a certain area and, you know, and take it take it from there, I guess, you know, and maybe try to set up a game somewhere.
0: Uh, where do you uh, – where did the Knickerbockers originally play? In Manhattan?
1: Uh, I think they played in, um, well, a few different places. There's the, the first photograph of an organized baseball game. Now, granted, there was a lot of illustrations before that, but the real first, like, you know, boxed, you know, camera photograph where everybody's sort of scowling because it takes too long and they can't smile that long. Um, that was in 1859 and they were playing the Brooklyn Excelsior's. I actually have the magnet right here. Uh, uh, he gave yep, me I'm looking at the picture
0: on the uh, baseball reference uh, page. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the same picture yeah. with the umpire uh, right in the middle there.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and Doc Adams, uh, it's kind of. Kind of grainy, but Doc Doc Adams is right here. So he's the guy who kind of looks like uh somebody you'd see in Mad Max. <laughs> Got a tuft of hair on top and a big. So
0: you're beard. saying that Doc Adams is fourth from the left. Correct. Okay. Uh, so anybody, yeah. it's the 1959 Knickerbocker Baseball Club against the Excelsior Baseball Club. Uh, you can find that picture. Probably in a, a ton of places, but fourth from the left is Doc Ames because it's not it's not uh, listed yeah. that way on uh, on this. Uh, yeah,
1: and,
0: and it's in the Hall of Fame too. So I'm, 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 I'm surprised. Uh...
1: <laughs> that's where that image is. Uh, yeah, was... we we actually staged that photograph at Gettysburg. We're waiting to get like a, a copy of it, but we, oh, nice. We it and we put. We put Big Bat Tom Pasolowitz in the uh middle of it. Um as with the top hat. So um so it yeah, it has been fun. We've we've had a good time. I think uh, our opponents have been I can't remember all the guys that we played in Gettysburg, but uh, you know, at Doc Adams we played the Atlantics, which are another original New York club, um, the Brooklyn Atlantics or the Atlantic Baseball Club and um and we played uh um at Rocky Point, we played the Providence Grays. And then at Doc Adams, we had the Durago, uh baseball club from Maine come down. And those guys are great. And we, had, we just had a lot of fun. The only one I missed was the, was the one at, Doc, at the Doc Adams Fest.
0: So I didn't see the experience at Doc Adams. I must have played on the smaller second field because uh, I did not experience the experience. And that would have been an experience.
2: Damn! Not either. Well done.
0: <laughs> but I don't know. I left there with my my heart full of vintage baseball. I've never I've never left a place where I felt more satisfied than when I left Old Bethpage. So, yeah, well, I
1: appreciated the play by play that you were doing there at one point, and uh, certainly appreciated the the uh, the snap uh capture of the karaoke at the uh, Big Bad
3: <laughs>
1: You had me cracking up over that man. If anybody <laughs> wants to go back and look through Barrow Rollers post, oh my god, this is hysterical.
0: <laughs> that was uh you know it was a little different atmosphere than I'm used to with uh a majority of the vintage baseball clubs. You now some of them do have that that uh party kind of leave uh play it as hard as you can on the field and then play it as hard as you can in somebody's backyard, you know, leaving in the, you know, just everything, yeah. everything I met, everybody I met out there, everything they did was a hundred percent. I mean, there was, it, it didn't matter what it was. It was, we're giving it all this drink in my hand. I'm giving it everything I got. And this, that bat right here. I am mean, I am trying to get on base. Damn it. And uh, it was a uh, great, and then you got to
1: the karaoke and they just went 110%. They out. did.
0: They did. They, they gave it everything they had. It was amazing. I was going to sing a song and I'm like, Oh no, I can't. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> this is way above what I am willing or capable of doing. I am just going to sit here. Uh, yeah but I think my we wife had, said, Oh my God. Like every seven seconds while we were in that backyard, was like, Oh my God. Oh my God.
1: Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. That's long Island for you. But uh, <sighs> yeah. When we, when we took the, when we took that Doc Adams show on the road up to the, up to Lanson farm, it's like a totally different experience, right? Because, now you're playing as part of a Lampson Farm Day, which is a historic, you know, 200 year old farm. And they've got, you know, the kids are riding hay wagons and barrel carts, and you got antique tractors, and you got the, the guys doing the chicken barbecues in the fire department. So, you know, nobody's doing karaoke at that sort of thing. But it was a whole different, more of like that traditional farm. Uh, New England like quintessential like pastoral landscape like the whole nine and I posted a bunch of pictures from that that just came up yesterday that were just amazing and 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 that was just like a banner day it was gorgeous weather Um, the the leaves were just starting to turn and um, you know and that was the fifth year that we've done the what what has become the Doc Adams Birthplace Classic and uh, that whole thing started because i was playing for the new hampshire granite one year and we had uh chuck Chigarello organize something uh like a new england pick nine in honor of doc adams and he had marjorie come to this thing and it was it was uh, you know near some section a housing off the off the 495 in north Andover, mass you know and and um and i met marjorie and i saw where doc was born and i happened to live like two towns over and so i just started putting the things together and i said hey why don't we move it to his birthplace? And, and so that's where it's been, you know, since that first year, that was in 16. And then when we did the, the, the Doc Adams birthplace classic, the first one was in 17 and, um, you know, and and it's changed over the years, you know, the first year we had it, we had four teams, but, um, so now we just have one team comes up, we play a double header. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a beautiful day. And, uh, you know, and, and, and hopefully it'll continue, you know, um, doc, I think we'll, we'll still have a shot on the ballot, hopefully again, someday. Um, you know, but we do it obviously to honor, not just doc, but just what the next practice gave to all of us uh, in this beautiful game. So, um, hopefully we can recruit more people and, or people will just get interested and say, Hey, I want to do that. I want to learn about that. Um, and, uh, you know, The health is out there, you know, if you find us on the Facebook page, the Knickerbocker Experience, it's basically a group, it's a public group, so anybody can jump on there, but we really are looking for, you know, folks that are interested in getting in uni, and, uh, you know, trying to make a game or put together a game in their area, and we'll, we'll help you, we'll help you do that.
0: All right, that sounds fantastic. Uh, I know Rudy and I are hoping to experience the Knickerbockers uh, next season at some point. We'd love to call a match of the Knickerbockers. I know, I know that's on the bucket list. Oh yeah. Uh, oh man, Colin, thanks. That for might
1: get me out to Ohio, if you pull it off, I might have to make a track. Well, we
0: could pull it off in Ohio. Uh, th- <laughs> that's that could happen for sure. It's just you gotta have uh, a feeling though.
1: Gotta steal,
2: gotta steal bases. Oh no, window that didn't exist. Stop talking about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, the other thing, there's no sliding. There, apparently, there's not really much sliding in 58 baseball. Oh, really? Well, there was this, there's this like nuance. Either you slide to sort of not hurt yourself. Yeah. But it was not like a slide to avoid a tag. Okay. So I guess there's a little bit of a, you know, but, but. Old habits die hard, right? So True. A lot of guys still slide. And, it's a, it's,
0: yeah, it's that, an but. instinct. It's hard when you're running at a base in a situation you normally would slide into. Say, nope, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. risk injury and yeah. stay on my feet. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Colin, sure. thanks for joining us. Thanks for warming us up, as we're all nice and warm now, ready for. Uh, Helen, Helen, Sheldon. yeah, Helen, yeah, Sheldon. Uh, Helen the she... Trash
1: Pandas. Go, oh, Helen! Yeah. I, I can't wait to listen. So, uh, yeah, you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be the warm-up act for Helen and the Trash Pandas. You are here, <laughs> the
0: opening act. Uh, thanks for joining us, Colin. Uh, I always, I, I, I know that Jeff Kornhaas is the guy who came up with the original idea of the experience, and we've had him on the show somewhat recently. Yeah. And it had been a while, like we said at the beginning of this interview, since since you've been on. And trying to find a way to get you back on the show has been, like, something I try to do because you have so much knowledge. And Rudy and I, and I'm going to let Rudy talk because he's here, but so, Rudy, expound on this. Uh, We have fun and games, and we like to have a good time around here. But we're a vintage baseball podcast, and we like the truth and the rules to get out there because that's what we want everybody to do, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Because we care about the product that's being put out onto the field for people to see. And the only way that we can get others to care is by having individuals like yourself, Colin, and Jeff, and Chuck, and Corky, and everybody come on and, and share their wealth of knowledge and experience with the rest of the community. So we are really just... Uh, trying our best to uh, to educate and inspire all those people playing vintage baseball across uh, the country and i'm I'm crazy excited. my brother was very excited to to get a chance to play uh, for the Knickerbocker experience and I'm very excited to have that experience myself in the future so thank you so much for joining us
1: Oh yeah, and I'm still learning for for real I mean every time I take the field, I learn something new about this game and that's what's so fun about what we do right? You know, That's like, right. I didn't, I didn't think about that rule or, you know, what, what's this weird ball? You know, I mean, it, and they get the ball that we use for the Knickerbocker game is very odd. It's very Brown and uh, much softer and it looks like a super pinky in the air. It's crazy. Oh, so uh, you really have to make good contact with it if you want to strike it well. So all these things are just like, we just learn, you know, the more we do it, the more we learn and uh, you know, it's, it's infectious. Uh so 'm I'm, I'm happy to to come on and do that and and um, you know thanks for having me on guys this was great I've been really enjoying all these new podcasts've been putting out too so kudos hey. for that
0: does that mean you didn't hey. enjoy the old ones
1: what,
0: what the hell did oh, that, what the hell did that mean uh, I go, it, back <laughs> the, I
1: go back in the archives. I, are we in, I could say that we're probably in
0: Ferro roller 2.0 or are we in 3.0 no, we are. I, I know what you're yeah. saying.
1: So, uh, all right. So you know what I mean? Like I can go back in the archives. I know exactly what you or whatever, yeah. but like these recent ones that you guys had, you're just yucking it up here. It's just hysterical. And like I said, I, I really enjoy uh, hey. listening to it on my morning commute. So All right. Hey. We get, if we get
0: too mean. silly and we start losing track of the, of the, the mission statement, you'll let us know. Right. Keep us in line. <laughs> I'd appreciate oh, that. Oh, man. I'm not gonna change a thing. You guys got it going
1: on. I really appreciate
0: All it. All right. Thanks, Colin. Thanks for uh coming in. We'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. See you guys. See ya.
0: And now we'll be waiting for the entrance of Helen. Have we heard from her yet? She's knocking at the door right now. Oh yeah. Alright, we're being joined by Helen Sheldon of the Providence Grays Helen, how you doing? Hi,
4: everybody Hey, good evening
0: How much do I owe you for playing this? (laughs) Is there like a meter running right now? It's like $1.37 a second Yeah. All right, I got to turn it off then. Uh, we don't have that in the budget.
4: <laughs>
2: I mean, is this a budget? Nope.
0: <laughs> sure I think is not we're all a budget.
2: doing this voluntarily. Ain't that the
0: truth? <laughs> uh, Helen, so happy that you've joined us. Rudy, uh, in my stalking of Helen that I do on social media during the week for the guests, I have found out something about Helen that you are about to find out that is true. And that is Helen is a badass.
2: Well,.
0: That's debatable, uh, <laughs> no, it is not debatable uh you uh so I listened to the music, you had an album come out. Tell me mm-hmm. uh you know what i'm gonna war- i'm gonna warm you up a little bit with a question to get you in the flow okay. of what's about to happen to you. I want you to go back okay. to the very first band you were ever in and tell us the name of every band you've been in chronologically.
4: Listen, you tried to do this with Johnny Carlo Valle and it didn't work. So um, <laughs> I listened to that. I listened to all your podcasts. Uh, Thank you.
0: Um,
4: well, technically my first ever band would have to be in my house with my sister. Um, we're 11 months apart right now. We're actually the same age until I turn a year older. Well, I guess 11, we're 11 months apart. Um, so I was born basically with, I never knew my life without my sister and she and I have identical singing voices. Um so we started singing together. I don't I don't actually remember when we started singing together because we just always did. We were put in the same grade, we have the same parents, everyone always asks us that. She's Heather and I'm Helen. Um and she I just wanted to sing harmony to everything that she sang. Um so we sing in church together. So my first bands were singing in church ever since I was little. And that's where that's where really church gave me my biggest break. <laughs> and still, I still sing in church.
0: Now, um that's a common theme amongst <laughs> singers is when you're singing, you feel like you're good. People tell you you're good. You go to church already. So you don't go to church to sing, but you already attend church so you gain the confidence because you're not bad oh yeah right uh, so then you exactly. jump into a church situation and you're singing and it's loud singing in church pretty much yep. and uh mm-hmm. and that's you kind of craft uh right there in church you uh yeah i was definitely
4: forged in church and then i sang in every choir every show choir every musical that would come my way I mean, I just always knew I was going to be a singer,
0: you're like <laughs> Sam Kinnison that you started out in the church and then you started singing about the devil. Am I right?
4: Yes, well <laughs> yeah that's what uh, happened
0: <laughs> so y-
4: I mean, a lot of amazing music actually started in the field, a lot of um blues and traditional music started in fields either by slavery, slave songs or people working in the fields, and then they moved. Um, a lot of the music that I was inspired by moved to juke joints and they started playing and then that was banned. So then they moved to churches and started playing in churches and switched the lyrics to be about Jesus. So it's interesting if you follow the history of American music that it's taken uh, many turns.
0: You were singing with your sister at home. Did you guys give Mm -hmm. yourselves a name just in fun? No, no,
4: but we definitely
0: sang you know,
4: our, all of our lives together. And she went to school for music. So did I, um, but yeah, we, I can't really remember. I, I mean, there was definitely like a band that I had in high school. Where we did Nirvana covers, um,
0: <laughs> <What> <laughs> with was the, all
4: the boys in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um,
0: what was the name? Come on.
4: I, I don't remember. I, oh. I tried to call my sister because she's like the record keeper of all the facts <laughs> and the truths, and I just lived it, and she remembers everything, so I never had to remember anything because she just always does. I tried to call her today to get some, I'm like, I'm going to get asked these questions. I'm probably not going to know the answers to. Can you just join and answer on my behalf because she's just my <laughs> other half of my brain? You know, like most people marry their soulmate. I was born with with mine. Oh, so. mm-hmm.
2: I hope she hears this.
4: Oh, I'm sure she will.
0: <laughs> and she'll tell me if I get my facts wrong. Well, I oh, hope she oh, the, the anyway. always do that. <laughs> That'd be weird. Uh, so were you in a band called the Red Pennies?
2: Yes, I was. Was that the one mm-hmm. just
0: before Helen and the Trash Pandas? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Damn, I'm good. Yep. Tell me how mm-hmm. the name Helen and the Trash Pandas – came about, put us in the room of this meeting of the minds and how that name came out of the room.
4: Well, how this band formed was I was no longer with the Red Pennies. That band parted ways. Um, And this amazing woman in Providence named Jen Long was putting together this anti valentines Day show and asked me if I'd come sing a, a few songs. And I was like, I don't have a band right now, but I would love to do it, so let me see what I can do. I know a million musicians. And actually, Johnny, it's interesting that you asked me to do this, and Johnny had done it because he was actually the first person I ever met when I moved here 22 years ago. And he talked about the band The Young Ones, and that was the band I went to see, first band I ever saw in New England when I moved here 22 years ago. Um, And he was the first person I met, and now I play baseball with him. Wow. so and i've sang with him a million times in many of his bands you didn't mention the rolling pins they were really really good but anyway Helen and the trash band is formed because i was asked to do this valentine's day show and i was like let me see who i can get a hold of so i called my friend jim and jay they were in a band called the 10-foot Cats, and they toured internationally they were a killer band everybody in the world knew them played every big festival they hadn't played in five years so they stopped touring and I just loved them. We've been friends for a really long time, really incredible musicians. And uh, I asked one of them and then they said yes. And I was like, how about we ask the other one? And um, So we we put together a couple of songs and everyone was like, what's your band's name? And like, this isn't a band. But then after we did that show, we were like, oh no, it's definitely a band. <clears throat> so we were in practice rooms and we were writing songs and we had to come up with a name. So first we were Helen and the Nip Twisters.
0: <laughs> hmm. Okay.
4: I mean, it's pretty obvious <laughs> why, but, um, but it was kind of like a pun because I was, I've known for, like, I don't really drink that much, but anyway, I, I kept this nip in my tambourine box, which is an old vintage makeup box, and I just carry it around with me just in case I have a sore throat when I have to sing, and I would just never get drank, and it would just stay in the box, and so they're little nips, so it's kind of like a nod to this nip that I never drank. And they're like, well, most people would have drank it by now. Anyway, so we were going to name it that. And obviously the double entendre, right, with a a girl in the band. I have no Um, idea what you're talking about. So (laughs) when we we turned in that name, we were told it was not acceptable to a a a place (sighs) we were performing. They said it had a racial slur in it, actually, not even about the – and they were right. I didn't know what one of them was. It's, you know, you learn lessons when you come up with names. Sure. And there was a part of that sentence has a slur in it that I wasn't aware of. That happened in the forties. Um, so I learned history and we became Helen and the trash pandas because they were the pole cats before. And I, we just thought it would be funny to come up with a name That's that nice. was silly. I didn't really want my name in the band name. Um, but my bandmates are really gracious and they're like, you know, you spend a lot of time singing in the background and this is not that. And, um, and everywhere I went in most of my bands, they'd be like, there's not a woman in the band. I'm sorry. You know, we don't let the girlfriends. In. And I'm like, no, I'm in that band. And, uh, that happened to me a thousand trillion times. Um, almost every place I've ever played. And it doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> wow. So, of course there's my name is in it. So you deserve wow. to have
0: your name. Uh, in it. That's for sure. Uh,
2: that's what they say.
0: <laughs> uh, do you ever run across, because you're booking gigs all the time, so you're out there gigging, mm-hmm. and uh, Johnny's still out there gigging. Do you ever run across Johnny, like, being on the same docket for the night somewhere? Do you ever book oh, we gigs book, together? Yeah, we
4: book we book shows together. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We have always, actually, for many years. Do you and ever, many different bands I've had.
0: Do you ever just mm-hmm. kind of off the stage... Ever just do a jam session just with Johnny?
4: I haven't just with Johnny, but he usually he sends me songs or ideas that he wants to do, um, if he wants me to sing with his band. Um, we did a show earlier this year where he was like, "Oh, you know, I wrote this song. What do you think? Will you come up with something And he'll send it to me, and I'll write the lyrics, and I'll write the whatever notes I want to sing. And then we'll never, literally ever do it together. And I'll just show up and step on stage, and it's as if I'd always sang it with him.
0: So We of, just
4: have that kind of trust with each other.
0: One of these nights mm-hmm. when you guys are uh, tired after a show. There is or... a
4: recording. There is a recording. It'll knock you out. It's really good. And we're going to do it at our Providence Grays 25th anniversary. I'm going to be doing two songs with Johnny's band.
0: Oh, so, we are going to talk about it. We are going to talk about the twenty fifth anniversary party. I believe you are the one responsible for putting that on. I'm sure you're not doing it alone, but is that is that your baby?
4: Well, I mean, it's a lot of people. Dave, who is grandpa on our team, who's the he's been there twenty five years. It's where he actually he's a German dance performer, Um, and he wears the whole. I have that explains
2: the picture. Okay,
4: that explains the picture. So, Grandpa, um, that's where he's Where we're hosting it is where he is a member of the German American Club, and um, and his girlfriend. So I was like, let's do an event to celebrate the 25 years, you know, and invite everybody we know. And then he was like, let's do it at this venue. And actually, I've already performed there um, with multiple other bands that I sang with, um, the Amazing Royal Crowns. They're members of their bands and other bands before in my previous life when I used to do Western swing and, um, and rockabilly and, and traditional country music, lots of bands would just ask me to come on stage and, and, you know, do a two, song or two. And there were huge, you know, big performances that they would rent that place out. So it has an incredible stage. It's beautiful. It's just, it's a, it's a really interesting space. I love it there. So, so that's why we're doing it there. And it's in Rhode Island, of course.
0: It's in Rhode Island. Everybody's invited, right?
4: It's in Pawtucket. Yes, it's open to the public. Mm-hmm.
0: Nantucket. We're going to have uh, it's catered with food. What are the Kennedys going to be there? Was <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, I'm not from here, so I had to learn how to say Pawtucket. It's not Pawtucket. It's Pawtucket. Oh.
3: So, uh, yeah, so if you're out lesson. there
0: in the area and you want yeah, to November celebrate 12th. yeah, uh the tw- 25 mm-hmm. years of the Providence Grays, uh, I know I've seen yes, it on cater. social There's media. There's going to be
4: three different bands. Um, my friend Beth Barron is playing. She's starting the night off. We're going to have, you know, photo ops and pictures and speeches and free food. And, and they obviously have a bar. And so we're hoping everybody will just have fun. Roxanne, I had away.
3: And it's... we might have a
4: game before that. We might. We're trying to put together a game. Uh, if anybody wants to come and play, you're, you're open, and we'll take anybody. We're just going to play against each other. That's in a dome, uh, right? Point.
0: That's in a, a weather-controlled ah, warm no, dome, right? we'll be
4: freezing. We'll be freezing. We're New Englanders. <laughs> we can handle
0: it. We're going to catch that ball on a freezing day in Providence or in Pawtucket. Good luck with that line drive. Pawtucket. Pawtucket. Pawtucket.
2: Pawtucket. In the Pawtucket?
0: I took it right there. The Pawtucket. Uh, Helen, you have such a great singing (laughs) voice. I can imagine that you had to take a long time to build that up to where you could sing like that over the course of an entire show.
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Like that's something you have to build up to, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's a muscle you snooze, you lose, right? Like with all muscles, if you don't use them, you lose them. So, um, singing is a muscle, actually and um, your vocal cords have like multiple layers and everybody has something called a break where you have a high register and a low I can sing five different octaves so I can sing like men's lower range and I can sing all the way up to the really high ranges I don't but believe in order you. to have that range <laughs> would you say I you don't believe you well it's true <laughs> i was kind
0: of i was kind of hoping you were going to accept that challenge but that's okay i won't make you
4: You're hoping, um, yeah i mean i can sing really low like johnny cash i can sing just in his key i don't have to change them and then i can sing as high as mariah carey mm-hmm. my gosh mm-hmm. wow Hell i'm not it- saying everybody wants to hear that but yeah, it's the muscle. So you learn, you learn to, um, the, the style of singing, you know, I grew up singing and I'm classically trained, but, um, I didn't want to sound like I was singing in church. I didn't want to sound like everybody else. Um, I had a great music teacher when I was in high school, um, music, um, teacher at at the, the college of Worcester, which I think is called Worcester university now. I'm not sure. Anyway, in Ohio, um, she said, try not to listen to other people's sound. Try not to sing on the radio. Just try to find your own sound. And you know, you grow up with certain music and you're influenced by it, and then you reject it because you're like, I don't want to sing that. But then you find yourself just kind of accepting whatever your voice is. And women's voices actually change over time, and they don't actually, you don't get your real voice till you're like 30, 40 ish the rest of your life. And so that's when you can really like you know like so, explore what your voice
0: can do. <laughs> uh so when you say you're a classically trained singer, you were also classically trained in other things than just singing. Like you went to like a like a like a music college for this, right? Yes,
2: I did. Mm-hmm. What are the other things
0: yep. that when you're being trained? And you're going to class to learn how to sing, even though you walk in thinking you can sing. And they're like, no, do this, do this, do this. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What are the other things you're learning about?
4: Well, to really sing properly, you have to use the diaphragm muscle, which is right below your rib cage, between your rib cage and like where your stomach is. And that muscle is really... In order, I know it sounds really weird to say it out loud. That's what oh, we're thinking about, but no, you know?
2: I know what I uh, I'm a classically trained actor, and we, I've been through the years, diaphragm
4: training, years
2: of voice lessons and classes, and this is the first time I've heard diaphragm on what? uh, in, well in a vintage <laughs> baseball. set. It's like <laughs> no, like I'm like this is hilarious. I love it. Yeah,
4: so I usually try to teach other people when I can hear that they have a really killer voice, but they don't have the strength to, like, last. They'll, they'll blow out their voice. They don't sing proper. They think that they have to sing, like, like church choir in order to sing proper, but you can actually do belting if you do it the right way. It doesn't have to be up in this. There's a head voice just like, ah, like, ah, <laughs> they <laughs> That's like, you know, that's like church singing, right? Yeah, that's not how I sing. <laughs> I mean, I can sing like that, but that's not really. Nobody wants to go see a rock and roll band sing like that. So, no. no. The diaphragm is the hardest thing, and of course, taking piano lessons, which I'm terrible at. I've been trying to play the piano since I was little. I play all the woodwinds. I can play flute and clarinet and contrabass clarinet, and Holy and I cow. I I play guitar, but I'm not good at it. I wouldn't play it in public but I can write songs with it. Um, So, yeah, it's basically just when you go to school for music, you're just literally singing and practicing all day long, like 12 hours a day or 14 hours a day. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, So this last album. And
4: listening to other music.
0: mm, True. It's like school of rock. It's like school of rock for adults.
2: Yes, but not (laughs) a school.
0: Not a school. (laughs) Uh, Tell me about this latest album that I don't think it's dropped yet.
4: It hasn't, yeah.
0: So I got a special <clears throat> VIP preview. <laughs> you
4: did. You did. Damn
0: it, I'm special. Oh, Rudy, you did too. But. Yeah,
4: it's, it's, it's something that we did during COVID. My band and I, um, we recorded all of that music, and we just kind of waited. And I had a few really important people in my life pass away this spring, and we were going to launch it. And my grandfather, who's 104, passed away. and two of my friends passed away and my mom's husband passed away. So I just kind of didn't feel like it was the right time, even though I wanted to launch it, I'm just kind of working through it. Um, so this recording is really special to me because it's the first time it's the music that I'm singing for myself. It's not for anybody else. It's not other people's vision. It's, it's, um, it's really a representation of, of you know, myself. And I have that, um, vulnerability that I have with that band is like, an, I trust them and I can show parts of myself through my singing that I couldn't do with other people. It takes me a really long time to trust people. Um, and that's harder for me musically even,
0: because it's hard to trust people because people are the worst and that's my life <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> lesson for everybody out there to listen to, uh, Helen, what is the name of the album?
4: Oh, I always have to look it up. <clears throat> I knew you were going to ask What a ask great me this. name.
0: Oh, that's not the name.
4: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I, Please um, tell me it's, it's, a, it's, the it's a line from a lyric that we wrote, too, and I, I always have to look it up because I always get it wrong. So um, <laughs> you can ask me more questions until I figure oh, it out. I'll ask, uh, uh, what's
0: your favorite track on the album?
4: Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, that's... Okay, here's the name of the album, More Than I Care to Confess. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Good. Um, it's a lyric from one of the songs that we wrote. Um, I move around what is sort of like my favorite song. Um, I really love I Want Out, which was actually a song that the Tenth of Pull Cats wrote, but never recorded, and I love it because it's like nothing's worse than people sticking around something that they shouldn't you know what i mean like I, we have a saying like pack your shit and get you know like just like figure it out just staying is horrible so that song <laughs> you
0: because know people are the worst um
4: <laughs> yeah just why stick around someplace <laughs> that you don't want to be or no one wants you like just there's people that do want you just get out um I'm really partial to call collect because I wrote that for my dad who passed away when I was 20. Um, He was a truck driver. I grew up on a small farm in Ohio, but I was born in Vermont by Vermont parents. And um, that song is about um, when my dad would leave. I honestly thought he was never going to come back. because I I didn't really understand, Uh uh Um, but he did. And, you know, calling collect. People nowadays don't even know what that is, but it was really expensive to call. We didn't have cell phones back then, and you didn't have money for the machine. You could call Collect, as you all know, probably. And so my dad would call us Collect, and it would say, Tom Dooley. And we knew that meant it was our dad, and to not accept the charge, so we wouldn't receive the charge. But before they hang up, you have a couple of seconds of free time to talk. (laughs) And so they would say... It's Tom Dooley calling. Would you take a collect call? No, and then my dad would be like, "Pick me up in Cleveland," and then <laughs> we would hang up, and we would. <laughs>
3: oh, I love that. Mm-hmm.
4: So the song is about you know, he was like some of the lines are like you know he he would take cotton from the south and bring it to the north to the mills, and he would take the he would take jam from the north like Smucker's, yeah. which was and bring it to the south for distribution, and he would bring corn from the fields and and even his my mom and dad one of their first dates was uh he you know he grew up on a farm in vermont and he would take the apples from the apple orchard and drive it to the chelsea market in new york city and ask my mom if she wanted to go along and that was her date so that song's about that just about that con and collect and how he was working hard to bring us all of his money but we just wanted his love
2: oh i love that
0: <laughs> so i've listened to the entire album <laughs> And obviously I like it uh, because I started Thank this whole you. thing with one of the songs. And I will tell you that I haven't had a lot of time to listen to it multiple times. I have listened to every track once and I have listened <laughs> to the devil is loneliness about four times.
4: Because, oh, it's a good.
0: Because I that love one has a
4: really in, Yeah. That one has a really interesting, so, you know, when you're lonely, you, you, you do things you wish you hadn't. Right. Uh, if you weren't lonely and you weren't feeling that loneliness, you you probably would have better judgment. So one time my band and I were playing at a show and this other musician that I'll leave unnamed out of respect, um, came in and they were touring nationally and they waltzed in with this person and I was like, who in the world is that that was with this person? And we just all looked at each other like, oh No. And my my bandmate looks at me and I go, you know what that is? And this person had gone through a terrible divorce. And this person walked in with somebody new, obviously. And I said, you know what that is? That's loneliness is the devil. And he was like, that is a great song. I said it live on stage (laughs) while we were singing. I just to him, I'm like, that's loneliness is the devil. And that's how we got the song.
0: Wow. (laughs) Uh, Rudy and I are both going to take turns at guessing who that was. Rudy, go.
2: Ricky Martin. No.
0: Buster Poindexter.
2: Fano. I wish. I wish I was
4: playing at a show with Fano.
0: John Cougar Mellencamp. The Coug.
2: No. no. Darn it. No. I mean, let's be honest. You have mentioned almost Every genre under the sun—it's <laughs> so like we could be doing this all evening. We could, and you didn't mention that I was in a ska band
4: for a really long time. What?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, let's. Uh, uh, was this during the the ska band and craze of the '90s, or it was, was this...
4: it was the third wave? Uh-huh. Um, the band was called Guns of Navarone. Uh, we played. we were from Boston, and um, one of my best nights ever playing there is we opened for Tucson and the halls. All right, yeah, we played and we, we sold out shows like Big D and the kids' table to paradise. It was a really it was like we had a four piece horn section. Wow, it, it yeah, it was really interesting. It got me into interesting places to sing with lots of other really interesting bands. Would ask me to sing on their records or record harmonies. Um, Yeah, it brought me into a whole world. It's weird because what's interesting about country music and reggae music is they're both played on the ups.
2: Yeah.
4: uh, upbeats. and um, country music actually, all of those blues and country records were pressed in Jamaica, but they were American bands. So they listened to this music and it influxed and it merged with music and how ska music was born in Jamaica was was due to... um, the summer getting really, really hot, and and well, ska music was like really fast, and and then the reggae music was born from ska music when the summers were just outrageously hot, and they had to slow down the rhythms. and Two um, Two called it "Do the Reggae," and he was a ska musician that coined that term. And then you had the Ethiopian prince that came, and then Rastafari was born, and reggae music came from that. But all the records were pressed there. And they were all flux and influenced we by, well, We are
2: way out of our league.
0: No, Let's just no, call it, I mean. Speak for yourself. Uh, no, I wait. Uh, no, I agree. Oh, did you know all that information
2: there? <laughs> no, uh, Mister? No, 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 We're getting an education.
0: But I'm loving everything that's coming out of her mouth because uh, we get to offer something. We get to find these people in the vintage baseball community that, that,
4: it's, a, it's filled with a bunch of weirdos. That's all it is. But it's, it's we're not all weirdos. gonna have something weird to talk
0: about. It's not weirdos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right. it's. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Do you know what major league baseball players can talk about? They can talk about baseball. Nobody has a life. <laughs> I'm finding vintage baseball players all over this country that have the most interesting lives that we get to listen to, points. that everybody gets to listen to. I love this podcast. If I didn't do this podcast, <laughs> I would be a listener.
4: But then we all get to be obsessed about baseball, and um, and that's what brings us all together. That's the
2: best part.
0: That's true. <laughs> and that's where we're going to go to now, except I just found a list of the 10, <laughs> the 10 best ska punk bands of the 90s. How many of these do you think – you could name. I'm not going to tell you the source because... We just have to guess. Um, Rudy, you are not going to guess a single one. You might get one. You might get one. The
4: specials are on there. Um,
0: No.
2: The Mighty Mighty Boston.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, of
2: course. Yeah.
0: That was the one I thought you'd get.
2: Um, Oh. Will we consider No Doubt a ska band? Oh, gosh, probably.
0: They don't. But okay. some of these names are so amazing. I love them. How about the Pie Tasters?
4: Oh, I played with them many times. See? Yep. See, see what mm-hmm. have come on?
0: What about the Skankin' Pickle?
4: Skankin' Pickle! Played with, I've never played with them, though. We did <laughs> win Best Punk Band once, which cracked me up. Uh, we are not a punk band, but they didn't have a category for Scott, so they just lumped us in and people voted for us anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so my music knowledge, I'm I'm always willing to put myself out there and look like an idiot. So here it is.
4: Chutes my make have to be on there.
0: What's that? Or probably
4: like fishbone or bad fish manners. Yeah, yeah, there's
0: like real big fish.
4: Real oh, big. Yeah, fish. So we've play with them.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, oh, good slapstick. The slackers. Uh, s- no Are the slackers on uh, there. Life. Here's here's what we got here. Other than what we've mentioned, suicide machines, life ball. Uh, no. slapstick rancid spring heel jack
4: yeah yeah i so you you're looking up ska punk bands and i would back out i sang traditional ska so it wasn't funk so i would say if you're going to talk traditional ska music it's like the beat the madness the specials um new york ska orchestra from new york city the specials
0: all right nobody um, make fun slackers, of me nobody make fun of me Agrolite i'm 50 you're years old base. And I've never heard ska band. I didn't know what the hell you're talking about. Really? Seriously. Interesting. I've listened to music my entire life. And that seems to be a whole, I don't know any of these. I've heard of the Mighty Mighty Boston. So I've probably heard uh, some songs.
2: It gets you bouncing. It, it really kind of—it's like, yeah. Is, it, is it like the, the
0: yeah. Stray Cats? Like the Brian Setzer Orchestra? Is that in the same? No. no, uh,
2: that's, no. I think that mm-hmm. swing and then the Stray Cats are more like a rockabilly punk. Like, mm-hmm. like what if
4: we, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no. Let's get off the Scott conversation anyway.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just learning. learning. <laughs> yeah. Well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll, you'll know that, like, Sometimes sky is the punchline to a joke. It is. I,
0: oh, yeah. see, see, I'm so not, not even, of- I'm not even privy to that. Mm-hmm. Baseball, mm-hmm. Helen. Mm-hmm. How did you come across mm-hmm. vintage baseball?
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my dad was a very avid baseball player. Um, he was born in 1938. Or no, he was born in. He graduated high school in 1948. Yeah, so he was born in 1930. Um, so you can figure out what his age would be by right by now. But anyway, he was an avid baseball player, played, coached. I played it, um, growing up. Um, I found out for my sister, one of my other sisters that when I was driving here that, you know, I always heard that, that my father was drafted to play professional baseball, but I never really, I wasn't old enough really to ask enough questions. He passed away when I was 20. So, Um, But she told me today that he was drafted to play for the Philadelphia Phillies. And I thought he was drafted to play for the New England Braves. So that question, that answer, we will eventually find out. But um, he was, he was um, an incredible catcher and baseball was our life. Like I just, everything I know about baseball is because of my dad. Okay. Um, So
0: this is where our audience can be of service to you. You throw his name you throw out your name is
4: Edwin Martin. Yeah. I mean, we tried to find him because they didn't keep lists of the drafts before 1967, but you know, um, my dad's name was Edwin Martin Sheldon. And And he was from Vermont. So, and he um, played for the bombazine bombers. Uh, There's a really great picture of him on my Facebook. That's really cute. Um, uh, you can tell that they just came home from the, from the war and they're all wearing their Dickies and their t-shirts. Um, and uh, anyway, I we I don't know what year that picture's from, but it's it's really old.
0: So all yeah. you investigators so out there, get to work. Uh, I know, get to work. Find everything you can and send it to Helen uh, on her father. <laughs> and I feel confident that somebody's going to send you something.
4: No, that would be a blessing. Um, my family, my dad's family moved to Vermont in 1623. Um, and never left, and when my my family passed away, a lot of my family, I wrote them a letter, and I said, hey, I, I heard you have information on my family, and they said, hi, I'm your second cousin, I live next door, and I just wrote the Vermont Historical Society, I didn't know anyone there, and they're like, I'm actually related to you, and here's an entire novel of your whole family, so I'm hope that someone can find it about my dad, but he is the reason why I've been obsessed with baseball my whole life, and um, when I moved to when I moved to New England, I saw the Providence Grays play. Um, I moved here 22 years ago, and I knew people that played on that team um, that are no longer on the team. And I would go to the games because they were just you know so fun to watch. And um, when I when I started to want to play for the teams, I was told, which was not true, but. But I was told that they didn't want women to play on the teams. Um, but eight years ago, there was some team. The the Boston Bean Eaters were short some players, so they said, you know, we know this girl that wants to play, and that's the rest of history. I showed up at the game; they put me in. Um, Jay, who's on the Providence Grays now, was was one of the coaches of the of the Boston Bean Eaters at the time, and that was eight years ago. Um, and then he started the Boston union The the team kind of like had a war, which I didn't know about. They kind of had like a falling out as some teams do. And they split into two teams, the Boston union formed, and then we'll just call it the others. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I landed on the other side. I didn't know anything about the disagreements because I just was there, you know, just to fill in. I didn't know about any of it, but when I asked them, like, where do I, which team am I on? Like, I just need a team. Um, They were like, you're not a fit for this team.
2: Shut up. Are you what? Are some of those people still in the community? Oh, yeah. Yes. They hey, are an entire hey, team. Hey, oh, all you jabronis and your oh. your fragile masculinity out there. Oh, no. no. Good. You, it's Together.
4: okay. You know why it's okay? Because it was a journey that I was meant to go on that was definitely a gift. I think that I wouldn't be as happy where I am today if, if they had just accepted me on that team. So. Well,
0: and I remember I
4: called everybody. I knew I called Nicole from the New York team. And I was like, dude, I need a team. I just, this, this isn't the end for me. You got to help me. And um, actually Chuck from the Connecticut team said, we would love to have you. So yeah. for a year I played as the others, we called it Boneyville, which was yeah. half half Boston and half Onlyville. <laughs> um, and so I played with Onlyville guys and you know, they're tough and they're, they're really tough and smart and strong and dominant. Um, and they, you know, they, they taught me a lot. And then I went to play for Connecticut and I had a major ankle blowout. Um, I had to have the perennial tendon in my ankle repaired. And Chuck was like, welcome back. You know, he's like, you want to go to Maryland? And it was like COVID and I hadn't walked in five months and he put me on the field anyway. Um, it wasn't my best playing, but, um, you know, they showed me that that didn't really matter. And so Chuck, for a couple of years, you know, just let me play with whatever team ever needed a player, and then one day, I mean, I'd always said, I, I just want to play for the Providence Grays, like, since I started. Um, they needed a second baseman. I had played, I play overhand, actually, better than I play underhand, um, and uh, they need, they were playing the Westfield Wheelman, which they hadn't played in years, but I had played against them and crushed it. Um, so he was like, they need a second baseman, and and they're going up against the Westfield Wheelmen, And I was like, Whoa. so, you know, I showed up to that game to play for the Providence Grays. And they're like, listen to me. We have a process. You can't just be a gray. You have to be, a, you know, there's like a process and you got to be a rookie and you got to prove yourself and you're not automatically on the team. And we played that game and we were done. They're like, all right, you're on the Grays. Um, okay. But you can't play for any other teams. Now you're either, you're either a Providence Gray or you're nothing. And I was like, I'm a Providence Gray. But of course they had to have some conversation with Chuck to make sure it was all kosher.
3: Oh, that's
2: um, awesome. I'm so glad that you found the right people. That's 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 the moral of the story yeah, there. It is. They found me or I found
4: them or they're cursed. I don't know. They have an old brat on their team. I don't know which it is, but
0: <laughs> So speaking of Chuck Chicarello, uh at mm-hmm. eight thirty in about twelve minutes, uh, surprise, we're gonna be joined by Chuck Chicarello live from the Connecticut Bulldogs scheduling party. What so that'll well, be he's a
4: treat a, he's, <laughs> yeah he's a treat he is a treat um, he you know I'm just really thankful for you know getting to play with all those guys in Connecticut And now I just like have brothers in every aspect of you know vintage and then this year I got to play on the all-star team because of Jeff That's oh awesome. mm-hmm. now every team submits two and he was like you're going to come in as a New England star and I'm going to put you on the all-star team so um, he's he's definitely the reason why I was there too, and that was a real
0: special. Gift I don't know if here. everybody who's listening notices, but it seems like October was Vintage Baseball Women Month, as well it should be. But but there is a large contingent of women playing with men, and is that what killed women's teams? No, I. Not, well, here in the Midwest, it was that
2: the the women didn't really play with the men because they formed, they the diamonds formed,
3: yeah.
2: and then they convinced, well, they encouraged like area uh, towns to form their own women's team,
3: mm-hmm. and then
2: that sustained for about 10 or 12 years, and then, in, you know, it's just like with any vintage baseball club, they fall by the wayside, and then mm-hmm. they eventually disappear, yeah. and yeah. I I mean, it was always refreshing for me to see, like, like, because coming from the Midwest to the East Coast uh, to live and play and being like, oh, oh, there is no women's team. It's just everybody plays, and I Mm love that. I thought that was great. Yeah,
4: Yeah. 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 the Providence Grays, they described are like Helen's a player. She's just a gray. They don't really talk about me just being the woman on the team. They just say, like, she's a Providence gray. She's a gray on the field, and she's a lady off the field. Um, um so that's how they always um they don't see they always, gender well they do but darn it um <laughs> no it's it's uh you know i even yeah. even this you know even to this time i mean i uh, i have talked with def- definitely some different groups about it um some women have different opinions about it ironically i learned uh some of some of them don't
2: think that i have a place on the team. um
4: several women actually said that we should let the men do it um they're stronger fitter better and more competitive
0: wait a second stop Um, where where
2: are we is this Mm -hmm. we go back to the night? you know everybody's welcome to have their opinion
4: by the way we did go backwards
0: hasn't anyone noticed they're welcome
4: yeah (laughs) you're welcome to have their opinion but um and i've had men say and even on that zoom say well i can't play my best i can't play my hardest i'm afraid i'm gonna hurt you and I'm like, well, you definitely haven't played against any New York teams because they'll they line drive me and they'll knock me out, and I will tackle them if I have to. No, they just
2: um, they say they can't play their best. Well, you know what? Here, here, here's a second. Don't t- you don't have to take the high road? I, I will not be the high road for you. Get it together, clowns, <laughs> all of you. I'd
4: oh, say if it's it's having me and my. Girl parts is a threat to you on my baseball team. You got bigger concerns because <laughs> yeah. um, you got bigger problems. Um, I just they say just like don't you know. L- let me they ask don't you a-
0: Let me ask you guys. Well, some of
4: the women's teams, like in the Midwest, don't fly. They don't play against the men. They are not playing mm-hmm. overhand ball. They're not playing. You know, they're they're playing for more for um, historical purposes and the skirts and the whole. I'm not going to be wearing a skirt. Um, I mean, I definitely wear them in my real life, but I just want to play baseball. And I don't want to, I mean, listen, people say all the time, I've heard people battle like, oh, it's not historical. Well, You know what else is not historical? A lot of things that we should not go back and time. We, we're not going to get into that. Right. And, and like, there's yeah. been arguments. I'm like, you're not, you're not, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of exceptions that we make. Um, let's not be hung up on.
0: The like, beautiful part about having a lot hindsight. of teams can't get
4: nine guys together. Okay, let me tell you this: <laughs> true that. True that. <laughs> when you're if, if when someone shows up to every game, let him play.
0: We can go hindsight. Every uh, history shouldn't be the way history is. I mean, we've been screwing up from the beginning. Let's face it. Uh, we have the benefit of hindsight rather us to go focus back
4: on with. Well, with with the, with historic baseball i would just like us to focus on the rules learning how to play all the complicated eras
0: the right the rules the
4: difficulty yeah i mean we could bicker about that you know i i'm fortunate that i i play on a team that really strives to get it right you know 99.5% of the time um i like that you know i like that they fight to figure out what is right and You know, I even learned how to make bases this year for Rocky Point. I made all the bases myself. I researched how the bases were made with Cooperstown. I even got a blessing from Porky, who was like, you made them right. You know, nobody else is doing that. Um, We just, we try to step it up each time we do that festival. And I was like, let's make 15 inch bases. Let's make 12 inch bases. I I had to figure out, you know, the type of sand that they used, even the type of fabric that they used. They even painted them white after all of that, it was a process. Let me tell you, it was arduous, but like, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I'm interested in the the rules. I, I play 1864, 1865, 1870, 1875, 1878, and 1884. I play six eras, six different years of baseball. I can guarantee you not everybody can say that they can know the rules and can play. I'm not saying I always get them right, but (laughs) I know I'm enough to play them. And um, I think that's more interesting than worrying about, like, who cares? Like, the rest of it, let's just focus on that. And, like, playing with different baseballs. We were playing with different baseballs this year that different people were making to mimic and mock similar eras. And they were crazy playing with them. Some of them were like, we can't even see it. It's, like, dusk. We can't see the ball. Um, and then you're like, now I know why they changed that rule. You know, like the bounce catch rule. I'm like, dude, I would have been on second or third by now, but no, please, damn it. You know, every time someone's like, ah, and you're like, that's why they changed the rule. You know, so that's kind of like the fun part when you're teaching other people. They're like, why are you playing? It's crazy. No gloves. People ask me that constantly. Like, how do you play with no gloves? But you just learn.
0: You just relearn. Uh, you
4: leave. You just have just learn to learn with a lot
2: of, you get yeah. a lot of bruises.
0: Yeah, well, and those making, bruises, speaking of bruises, they're, they're yeah. yours to keep.
2: Yeah. Have <laughs> have you ever been injured on the ball field and it uh, and you'd have to, like, perform injured? Yes. Oh. Yes.
0: This sounds horrible. For sure.
2: What was that like? Uh, it, well, mm,
4: I got hit straight, like a line drive, oh. right to the throat. It ripped through my hands. It was like a line drive like this, and it was ripped right through my hands. It hit my throat. It was Connecticut. I don't remember who we were playing, but I just remember the guy line drives me. And for like a, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be all right.
0: And then you're on stage um, like, no, I'm gonna sing this sassy little number for you. And uh,
4: and recently we played the Atlantic and one of their guys, Anthony, uh, he line drives me, but it it was like at a hard angle down at the top of my shoe. So I couldn't get my hand, I couldn't get there fast enough to stop it with my hands. It is a killer bruise and I keep forgetting it's there and like I'm standing in boots. So the other day I played two baseball games back to back. So like four or five hours and then I had to go sing for an hour and a half.
2: Did you, did you hear that (laughs) PC? You hear that pirate?
4: What is Camino doing? The whole
2: show.
0: (sighs) Canino, the most downloaded <laughs> star in Vintage Baseball podcast history. Yeah.
2: Clearly it's gone to his head. Ugh. Line
4: drive right to the ankle. <laughs> yeah, it still hurts. It's still hurting me right now. Oh, man. So, <laughs>
0: so Rudy, we started out this, this interview with me telling you that you're about to find out that Helen is a badass, and I think I've been proven correct.
2: I mean... I had the, I had an inkling of an idea <laughs> considering having watched the Providence Grays in the past and being like, oh goodness, these guys are a little intense. And, oh, we're um, intense. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. that. I got that notion many, many, many years ago, and I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, I got the the legend is is. weren't accurate.
4: you umpiring in Gettysburg when that dude like put the ball on the top uh-huh. of the Oh yeah, and and he was like so bullshit. And then I stepped off because everybody was like, "You're out!" And then everybody's yelling, "You're safe!" And then they did it again for a second time. And I go, boo, you did it again! I'm not leaving this bag." And the second baseman on his team was like, "Why is she still standing there?" And I'm like, "Listen, I I only listen to Brian Travers. Okay, one voice. If he's gonna stay, I'm like a dog. I am staying right where I am until they
2: all figure that out." And then I, I'll step yeah. off if I'm out. I took that opportunity just to have a little fun because all of the Grays were like, stay on the bag. And I they was like, streaming. well, I need. screaming. I know. I was like, I need Brian to ask me before I'm going to say what happened. <laughs> and then it was, it was, it escalated for sure. Oh, it escalated.
4: They were going to take me out that. But I, what team were we playing? That second baseman had it out for me.
2: Was that, he was, it wasn't Lewis, was Lewis? It wasn't Lewis, was it?
4: I think it was. I think it was Lewis. I think it was. He was so mad. He was like barking at me and screaming. And then we have this guy named new Dave. Who's like, he is a fire pistol. He blast. I mean, he will taunt you. He will steal every base. He will lightning bolt. It would be, everybody else would be on first. He's going to be on third and possibly stealing home. He steals home. He's wild. He's absolutely incredible. He will He you put him in center, he's gonna play first. He's gonna be left and right at the same time. He's gonna play all three fields. He'll even play second. One time, he recently he came running in, and I'm like standing there with the ball, like throwing me the ball. He was like, Nope, he just ran to second and beat the runner rather than throwing to me. <laughs> but anyway, he heard that guy barking at me, and he comes any fight, he's ready to go like intense. And he swooped in, and they were at it, they were at each other. <laughs> I was like, "We're good, we're good." You know, it's I I don't make the calls. If they say I'm safe, I'm staying on the base.
2: <laughs> well, the problem was is that you ripped the ball uh, too hard. You made the you made the play uh, too close by just hitting the ball so solid. So that's kind I of your did, fault. I did. So. I did. I mm-hmm. did. <laughs>
4: that's my favorite is when they call him in. Yeah, and then Brian's like,
2: "I like it." Classic.
0: For all you teams <laughs> that had an issue playing baseball with Helen and you just heard her yell about baseball for the last five minutes. You fools.
4: (laughs) Well, they wish they had me on their team now and they see all the marketing stuff that I do for the Grays. I got us a sponsorship from Narragansett, all kinds of places. I, I can, I, I, you know, the fun thing about playing vintage baseball is you can use your other superpowers to help.
0: Well, when you have a vintage baseball team, you shouldn't be recruiting to win the world series. You should be recruiting passion and that's going to take you a long way.
4: For me, baseball saved me. I was, you know, when you're, I'm a single mom and I was just tired of being lonely and the easiest fix for that's baseball.
2: Mm -hmm. So
4: whether that's watching baseball or playing it, you know, I'm obsessed with watching baseball, everything baseball. And so, for me, it just filled up my weekends and my summers with something really healthy. You could do a lot more with sadness and loneliness than play baseball. Great. And so, for me, I just knew I had my summer planned. Um, and I knew I was going to be spending it with a bunch of dupes, you know, like Johnny valle And, <laughs> and, um, we didn't... and you know, he, it was the sweetest thing when I was, like, wanting to play on the Grays. He's like, you know, Helen, this is, like, my safe zone. You know, I know I've known you from the music world, but like this is my safe zone. I'm like, I know, but let me in the zone. I <laughs> love um, it. So how much? Yeah, they're my brothers now. Now, like when I started dating um, my boyfriend, they're like, "All right, when's he come to the game? We're gonna meet him." It's like meeting family. Like, why isn't he here yet? Like, Ooh. where is he? Like yeah. now, they're like, "Okay, we're stealing your boyfriend," and that's all. Oh, with,
3: like, that you got a boyfriend and that can play baseball.
4: You got a boyfriend that can play baseball. Play baseball, but he looks like he can.
0: <laughs> oh oh one of those. Did you get tricked? I mean, tricked?
2: there's there's a lot of people like that.
4: Did you get
0: tricked? Talent? Yeah, tell he looks like an truth. NBA
4: player. Did he's he... like tall and fit and big shoulders and really humongous. And uh, yeah, everybody would want him to play baseball.
0: He looks really athletic, <laughs> but every time he opens the door for you, he smacks himself in the face. Is that what's going on here? Bull <laughs> no, in a china he shop?
4: Really <laughs> he is athletic, but he's not going to play baseball. Believe me. They saw him and they're like, What's that big boy doing? Why isn't he playing baseball?
1: awesome. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, and, I was
4: just... like, He's my, he's my, he's my baseball wife. He's going to come and watch the games <laughs> like all the other wives. Heck yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> were you, uh, were you at he, Old Beth Page for the, me. for the Doc Adams? Were you there playing?
4: I wasn't this year. I have been there many times before that, but I wasn't there this year. I had a conflict
0: okay because i was i was racking my brain trying to figure out why don't i remember you because i called yeah. like a couple of the Greys games
4: my favorite place to play because i you know i just love the new york teams. i love them so much we're so close we've all become friends as you know and um so sad that i couldn't play that but um i love playing there my my new favorite place to play though i'm sorry to say it i i the, the dairyman invited us to... um
2: oh, yeah. Uh, listen, is it as picturesque as the oh. pictures look? okay.
4: Way more picturesque. You know, like when you see a sunset and you try to take a picture of it and it doesn't look anything like what you just looked at? Yeah. <laughs> so if you think the pictures were picturesque, you should be there. I, because I I, I... I... I can't... I have no words. That's I have amazing. no words because I'm from a small town. I'm from Vermont. It feels like Vermont and Ohio merged together. Like, these oh. boys are all farmers. I grew up, it's just like, it's like being home there. Your phone doesn't work anywhere. Uh-huh. Everybody's nice. Like, we oh. were playing, we're playing by a river with the, you know, the giant mountains. And yeah. it's it, unbelievable. Everybody's so lovely. Everybody's nice. Nobody's <laughs> ranting and ho- horn talking, acting like crazy. And then there's like the fire, the firemen in the town were having a chilly you know thing so you could go there and then they, and like colin picked us up and drove us to this barn that one of the one of their baseball guys owns nick owns and it's this venue it's a music venue that is like he they had eli paperboy reed play there which he was just at the grand old opry like, yeah what when we heard he was playing, I'm like, I don't care. I'm not driving home. I don't care if anybody else stays. But then, of course, J- um, Johnny and Jay stayed. But And the rest of the grades went home, and they regretted it. Um, uh-huh. I loved that We pulled into one of the towns to eat a breakfast. It was pricing of 1955. Like, nothing on the menu was more than $7. And there were church bells playing. So it's just, you can't handle it. <laughs> anybody who hasn't been there needs to
2: go. Sounds like you went through a time warp. It was. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, it was, I cannot wait to go back. My my wife has been uh, traveling through many vintage baseball places, but it doesn't get to a lot of variety very often. And I showed her pictures of just the field in that game, and she was like, "I would go watch vintage baseball there." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay."
4: Yeah.
0: Fair. Well, that's one of the things we missed. I mean, tell
4: her to come to Rocky Point because I don't know if you've ever played baseball it. by the ocean no with sailboats flying by, but that's what it's like when you play at our field. You, and that's where Babe Ruth hit, hit a home run into the ocean. So, you know, come play where Babe Ruth played, and you can come to Providence. We have a festival every
2: year in August. That's my – Johnny emailed me. That's my sales <laughs> pitch to my wife. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh would you like to just play baseball and then see the ocean?
4: You can't. Myself. And they're swimming. It's beaches there. So while you were there, and we have food trucks – And I had food trucks there and there's a beach and you can fish and you literally, you just park and there it's all available to you. I'm telling you, everybody that comes like now a few other baseball teams, um, uh, 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 Brandywine, they're like, now our team just thinks that they should always play baseball games by the ocean. (laughs) like, we all just go run in the ocean afterwards. I'm telling you, it is, I recommend
0: it. (laughs) It's one of the things here in the Midwest that we don't quite have that the East coast and even Tennessee has, are these great venues, you know, in the Midwest, we're just looking for a park that'll let us play. And everywhere on the East coast, Tennessee, everywhere is historical. Somebody was born in the house uh, and everywhere in Tennessee. And and... I mean,
4: where else can you play where Babe Ruth played? Let me, let's just say, okay
0: let's just say it. so so nothing it's, we can worth, do about
4: a, it's a worth a drive to rhode island <laughs> uh,
0: Yeah. i was looking through your pictures and i saw a picture of you carrying chuck Chicorillo.
4: did oh, you yeah. want to explain that yeah. picture um i don't know We're you know he's always <laughs> silly and filled with shenanigans um and he's just like he has a playful heart um and so you know um Every time someone says that I'm not strong, I would think, oh, I could probably carry you over there. Um, but um, <laughs> so I did. I like picked him up and he was like, carry me to second base, Alan. So I did. I just do, 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 <laughs> carried him right over there. And apparently people got pictures of it. But it was his idea.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know if so. Uh, Chuck was supposed to join us. Uh, he might be having too good of a time, though. I said that. I will text you to remind you that you want to do this. And I did send him a text with the Zoom link about 10 minutes ago. Hmm. And he is still not here. So we're going to proceed as if, because it's 838, uh, and he really wanted, this was all his idea. So he's going to be mad at himself when he realizes he lost track of time. Because yeah. he's probably I'm text just, him right now. He's probably just having fun. Uh but what I'm gonna do is what I normally do, and you said you've listened to some episodes, we finish you off. With, oh, you're
4: gonna ask me all the questions. You're gonna <laughs> ask me all the questions. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> ask you the questions. I'm gonna ask you some of these questions.
0: Uh, <laughs> and uh we'll see how this goes. And it'll give Chuck a couple more minutes to get his act together. I
4: so- just texted him.
0: <laughs> all right, Helen. What is your favorite pie?
4: Oh my god, I hate cake. So every pie, I don't just no cupcakes, no cake. Ugh, out, I would say p- pumpkin if 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 I'm not making it. If if I'm making it, it's apple pie.
0: Where did your new boyfriend take you on your first date?
4: Oh, uh, to this um, this French place in Worcester, Mass, that I love. Um, it's called Birch Tree Bread. But I have to tell you, he how he won me over was, I think it was our third date or second. Do you know what he gave me? Uh, Carl Yastrzemski rookie card. What? Because oh, he knew that's... it was my favorite player. Oh, I swear to God, God.
2: he did. He did.
4: Oh, he did. At the third
0: date? Come on, you got to wait for that. That's a that's an all timer That's way too early. He really he played his hand too early on that. Bad etiquette. <laughs> That, mm-hmm. That's like a one-year anniversary oh, gift.
2: I'd say.
4: <laughs> Listen, and he said he was not a good gift giver, but after he gave me that card, like, what? He shot himself in me? the foot. Yeah, how's it going? Where do you go from yeah. Carl um <laughs> rookie card? Yeah,
0: wow. what, am I su- <gasps> what am I supposed to do with this box of chocolates and flowers, you goofball?
4: Exactly. <laughs> but I don't know too many women that would want a, a baseball card at all, but you did takes all kinds takes all types
0: (laughs) what is your favorite food to eat off of the grill
4: oh geez hmm corn
0: have you ever been attacked by an animal yes tell us
4: Mm -hmm. Um, the funniest one is a a red squirrel when I was hiking uh, the long trail in vermont it goes from massachusetts all the way to canada and i was hiking and this red red squirrels are very territorial and you can hear them in the woods like, <laughs> they make this noise and when they flick their tail they just want you out of there and this one was just circling and circling in it goes, it i'm just trying to hike i'm not even trying to talk to it or walk by it and it just ripped roaring rip, right up my pants and up around the my <laughs> my backpack and just It was like, I wish there was movies because down I went, you know, I was like a walking picnic and he knew it and he wanted my food and he was mad. And that's my squirrel attack story.
2: Chills up and down my spine. (laughs) Tiny red squirrel took me out.
0: What is your favorite condiment?
4: Oh my gosh. My favorite condiment, hot sauce, every type, all of them. (laughs)
0: Uh, Who is the most famous person you've met?
4: Oh, my goodness. Well, um, I used to do makeup professionally for most of my career. And I've done a lot of famous people's makeup. Um, uh, I would say um, Jay Giles from the Jay Giles band.
0: Okay. Peter
4: Wolf is his real name. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Do the uh, do the trash pandas wear makeup on stage?
4: No. Well, I do.
0: Yeah, but the tra- <laughs> you're not the trash pandas. You're Helen.
4: <laughs> no, no.
0: <laughs> there, I've seen some videos. They're just some unassuming looking dudes. Is that? Yes,
4: exactly. It? They should so wear
0: some, you know, take off the shirt.
4: Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Well, you know, there's only one sparkled person. Okay, there can only be one. Maybe you know. some guyliner. Yeah, no, 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 no.
0: There can only but, be one. Uh,
4: one time, one time they made a flyer and the the band the place cut off the pandas part, so it was just Helen in the trash, and that just <laughs> did us in. That was that did it. I was like, that's it. We're Helen in the trash. Um, and sometimes we call ourselves Helen in the mashed potatoes. We have a lot of we have a lot of alternate names.
0: So the woman who said I'm not sure if I want my name on the band now says there can only be one.
4: <laughs> well, that's what they've taught me they've taught me that they're like they're not here to see me they're like they're here to see you and I don't know I just show up and sing my heart out
0: and uh, yeah it's amazing I'm going to go back uh, into some archives <laughs> and listen to some of your other music after I listen to the devil song like four more times uh,
4: <laughs> yeah that song will do you in
0: yeah can I get that song off of Spotify how are people going to get this album
4: yeah, so uh, we'll be we'll be launching it shortly, um, and it will be on Apple Music. It'll be on um, um, Bandcamp, Spotify, all the places.
0: Oh, but for the now, they places.
4: can go to our Facebook page, Helen and the Trash Bandas, and follow us there, and you'll you'll see where we're going next. And and they recording. can buy
0: and they can buy a T-shirt, right?
4: Yeah, we have T-shirts and and bandanas. Mm-hmm.
0: Bandanas. <laughs> Nice. Uh, what was the first concert you ever went to as a fan?
4: Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this one. And I, I even called my sisters. I'm like, what is the answer? What is the answer? Um, okay. So it's, it's one of the three I don't remember. Um, because I used to lie to my parents and go to concerts in Cleveland. Um, (laughs) I wasn't doing anything naughty. I just wanted to go see the band. Um, so it was either Sinead O'Connor or it was the room. I, I went to see the B-52s one one day and then I saw the Ramones. Oof. So I don't, I don't know. Wow. There's They all kind of blur together sort of wow. at that.
0: Oh, Helen, I know what I wanted to ask you earlier. I just looked at one of my notes. Uh, I was a karaoke host for many years, many, many years. And you would have a woman come into the bar, uh, random women here or there, and they would sit down and they'd get a glass of water and they'd get a piece of lemon and they'd make their own little tea and they put the lemon in the water and they're doing little exercises with their throat and they're warming up and they they go up there and they sing a song and they act like they're on American Idol or whatever. They come back and they, yeah, go, through, yeah. they go through all this stuff to, uh, uh, what it... Could I have slapped them?
4: I mean, I don't sing at karaoke because I will literally show everybody up. And no one will ever want to sing after they hear me sing. So it's not fun for me because it puts everybody else in a bad mood. They're just trying to have fun. And then when they hear me sing, they're like.
0: Right, because you're good. um, But is this girl attention? Is she looking for attention? She's going through a whole thing.
4: I mean, it is true that lemon, so if you if you have like, if you're having sinuses or you have a cold, you, you want to burn that off your vocal cords in order to sing proper. So technically, lemon would do that. Um,
0: if you have a cold, so, why are you going to sing karaoke?
4: Well, you know, it could be their baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, I go no. play baseball. Some people go to the gym. I... I go play baseball. Some people go play karaoke, like maybe it's their church. Could have
2: been for you, Matt. No, Could have been for
4: you. Absolutely not. Uh, for you.
0: I disagree. So the secret sh- is potato
4: I, chips. So yeah. if you ever need to sing, is that a kitty?
0: <laughs> I, uh...
4: I'm, I'm not at home where you'd see mine. But um the the secret to if you're having like vocal problems is actually eat potato chips because the oil from the potato chips is actually really good for your throat and it could save
0: you. Okay, you're all There's wrong. Your she should have got a song. Pro tip of the night. Nope, she should have got a song. No. Slapped. That's, that's uh, like
4: saying that people wh- <laughs> who stretch before they play vintage baseball are stupid. You know what I mean? She was trying no. to stretch out her vocal cords.
0: No, she was doing a whole thing. <laughs> She's looking for... No! All right. What was your first car, Helen?
4: <laughs> oh, I was waiting for this one. I know the answer to this one. It was a 1976 Mercury Monarch. <laughs> what? And it was so big that, and I'm 5'11, I could lay in the back seat and not touch either oh, side. Yeah. It was a tank of a car. You gotta look it up. It's hilarious. It was burgundy. That's exactly
1: <laughs> what I'm doing.
0: Yes, really look that up, would you? Uh, Helen, name something you're afraid of.
4: I'm afraid of bridges. Uh, what? I'm scared to death of bridges.
0: Like draw bridges or just like a bridge? All
4: Every type, all of every bridge. Like driving over them. Seeing them, I, I wouldn't, no, I don't like them at all. I don't even like talking about them.
0: Something <laughs> happened to you or something?
4: No, I just think they're all going to um, fall in. Oh, my my car is just going to veer off and I'm going to die. I'm going to go flying over the edge. I can't, the thought of that just consumes me and I can't breathe. Just now I'm thinking about it, it makes me feel
2: sick.
0: <laughs> on a scale On a scale of one to 10, how quick with 10 being the angriest, how quick are you to road rage?
4: Oh, no, Mm -mm. (laughs) no, I'm not one of those. I just go like this. If you're that, it's usually the other people that I think are just so funny when they're road raging. I'm like, seriously, dude, if this is the worst part of your life, like there are people dying in wars and starving and, and you're worried about like what the car is doing, just like let them go. Just like if they're, just let them go ahead of you. Like they're just, you know. Or I just smile, or I, when people think that you're going to give them a bird, I give them a peace sign, or I smile. It makes Aww. some people really angry that yes. you're not angry, because yes. people love angry people. They together. People, I just don't want to spread that through the world. I'd I rather give, just smile. and.
0: I give thumbs up or thumbs down, right? And whenever I give people thumbs down, which is like giving them <laughs> the finger, except you're not swearing at them, you're like, you're really bad. They hate that. They hate that more than the I mean, the, the only
4: thing that I do, but I know that that's like a New England thing, is like, we just want everybody to just go. So we're just like, just go, you know, like, that's what I say. I, that's the only thing that I would say. It wouldn't be road rage, but I'm like, just go. Like, we're letting you go. Everybody lets everybody go here. But they get mad if you don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're being nice. Go,
4: you know. <laughs> Riding in a car with Johnny Carlo Valle or going anywhere with him is like a wild ride in itself. Does he, he swear is.
0: more in public or in baseball games? I know he
4: didn't swear in your podcast. I listened. Um, he is—he's a wild card, and I love him. <laughs> I love him for it. Has go, Johnny things like we go to batting cages in the winter? We go to we go to eat afterwards and grab beers together. I always have to sit on the left side of him. It doesn't matter who's there; he kicks them out. It's like routine. It's very routine-oriented. Very.
0: Has Johnny ever invented a swear word? Is there a curse word that he's invented? I don't know, but... You should get on that. Hey, I was going to say, one day when you're with Johnny at one of your gigs, you guys should just <laughs> lay down a new opening for our podcast for free.
4: Oh, this is a good idea.
0: I mean we need something new for season four that's gonna happen.
4: Yeah, we'll write one for you. Give us some give us some ideas and we'll put something together. Oh my god.
0: That would be great. Oh, Chuck Chicarillo just messaged me and said he's not joining us because it's way too loud where he is. So sorry about that. I almost had a special treat. <laughs> oh
4: is he um is he uh uh
0: it's the yeah. He's 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 at his
4: scheduling oh, meeting. Oh, that yeah, that whole thing. It's yeah. a
0: party. It's a whole mm-hmm. party. Uh, last question. Yeah. What is your favorite soup? My favorite soup. Um, that's a good
4: question. I would is ramen. <laughs> is it a good question? Not soup. Is
0: it really a good question, Helen? Um, <laughs>
4: uh,
0: Ellen Count. Uh, Raymond counts.
4: Macaroni and. Macaroni and bean soup, um, but I like ramen.
0: Ramen counts, that... absolutely. I'll it's get, brothy. You you can have it with or without the broth. I I used to have it without the broth, but you but there's broth, so that's a soup. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> and if
4: my mom were alive, I would say her broccoli cheese soup, but she's not here, and I can't make it like her. So.
0: Can you ever <laughs> make things like your mother ever made? Like
4: no doesn't matter if you
0: have the recipe all right
4: food is made with love i don't know
0: <laughs> helen thank you so much for joining us it was uh it was everything i wanted it to be i mean i guess that's all you could <laughs> hopefully ask hopefully they
4: last hopefully it's a long podcast so with colin going first um People, so thanks for having hey, me we it was give, really
0: fun we give everybody the sweet and the sour or the sour <laughs> and the sweet um, I yeah, don't know. Which is which. We give you, we give you, baseball knowledge of the Knickerbocker experience, and then we gave you some of this.
4: Oh, I umped their, I umped their game at uh, Rocky Point.
0: Oh, that's right, you umpired. How much work did. did you have to go in before you took the field as the umpire? A lot
4: of work a lot of work. You scared? <laughs> first of all, you're a woman umpiring. That's like you're already, you know, it's. Uh, it's no
0: different than being a woman player though. I mean, it's uh, it's a
4: right? little worse. Is it? It's a little you're it's yeah. Yeah, I probably would have given it. And umpire. um a few a few of the of other women players that I know told me that I was the first female to umpire a vintage baseball game.
0: I've never seen it.
2: They said I was the first.
0: Rudy, I'm gonna Rudy did your mom ever umpire a game? Uh, I don't,
2: I don't. Not that I remember. So I'm back you up on that one. Congratulations. Yeah,
4: she's the vice president, so I would say she would know. If, if, I'm not making that claim. I'm just saying it was told to me when I told her I was going to do it. Um, but no, I had a really, you know, obviously great people on my team to make sure I understood the rules. And in that particular game, you don't call a lot of calls or balls or strikes. So. Um, it was a good way to start out. Um, as you know, as you heard from Johnny, it's a requirement of the Graves. Everybody has to umpire a certain number of games a year. So, and nothing's worse than a bad umpire, and we don't want to be them. So we, we work really hard to try to do our best, and they're teaching me. So hopefully you'll see me umpiring other games soon.
0: All right, Helen. And once again, on the way out, tell everybody when the album drops and where they can get it.
4: Well, it'll be dropping soon this fall. You can go to Helen and the Trash Panas on Facebook and find us there or our band camp page. And please check out theprovidencegrays.org. Uh, we're celebrating 25 years of the Providence Grays. And this November 12th, if you're anywhere near Rhode Island, please join us in Pawtucket. Um, our celebration Pawtucket. The- that starts to lots of vintage baseball people.
0: We'd love to have you join us. Yes. I don't want it to end. All right, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> uh thanks, thank you Helen. so much. We're now friends. We're all friends. Rudy, you're my friend too. Oh, uh, thanks. This is great. Everyone, thanks for thank the you. thanks for the downloads. Thanks for listening to these episodes. You guys are really we are getting so much positive feedback. Since Rudy well, I Frias,
4: since Rudy Frias joined do. the show, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a great band, you know. You got to put, you got to put in just like a great team, baseball team. You got to have the right fit, and then all of a sudden, it just really grows yeah. from there. <laughs> uh, I know what I
0: was doing when I did that. I get credit for that. Uh, <laughs> all right, thanks, Helen. Rudy, get us out of here. Thank you, folks, for the bell roller. I'm Swamp Fox Sage. Keep it station to station, and I'll see you out in the
2: field.